Now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Ron Wolfley. Yeah, baby, bring it on! Luke Lipinski. The great Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Devaluing the word great if you follow with Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Final hour of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. It is Wolf and Luke. Howard Balzer in for Wolf today. We were kind of laughing, like, what happens if the Cardinals sign a coach while Wolf isn't here? Oh, my goodness. You think he'll... How will he react to that? Well, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. No. Oh, you mean mean today? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's not. I don't don't think it's really going to be an issue. Uh, That would require the Cardinals to hire a coach. So, um, looking at the Phoenix Suns, they get that loss last night. They've still won six of their last eight. They're 27 and 26. They've got a five-game road trip starting up here. You're, what, now 29 games left in the season, and you have Devin Booker coming back from that groin injury soon, it sounds like, saying this. How you feel? I feel good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Round and third. Got yeah. Pete Rose, where you, whoever's whoever the catcher is, is bad news for them. <laughs> you seen that? You know that the Pete no, Rose. I don't know. Um, he, he was in the All Star game and he bowled over the catcher going through going around third in the All Star game. Okay, crazy. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. I was thinking that when he asked that question. I'm thinking, is Devin Booker don't know what you're talking about? <laughs> he played along. He's like, yeah, sure, why not? That's what I'm trying to do. Um, look, I mean, this this team has needed Devin Booker back for a while. What is it? Um, the He'll be reevaluated in four weeks was five weeks ago yesterday. And then, you know, to be fair, a week ago they said it'll be another week. And, and you know, uh, Gambo was saying last week he could be back as as soon as this week, it seems like. There's a report out there that uh, that he could be back uh, Tuesday against Brooklyn. So it seems like no matter what, Howard, um, he's close. Whether it doesn't sound like he's coming back tomorrow, I guess you can't rule that out. Uh, they've got the Celtics tomorrow. They've got Detroit on Saturday. They've got Brooklyn on Tuesday. I, I'm safe to say he's going on this road trip because they don't play another home game until February 14th. So we can talk about trades and, and the potential there and you know what you need to do and all that stuff. And there's a lot of truth to it um, if you're serious about winning a title. But the biggest piece this team can get is Devin Booker. And sounds like that's happening yeah, here soon. No question. Now, with, with the, you think the Suns would maybe... Put them in a little earlier, just so that all the reports are wrong. I mean, <laughs> because because we know all those reports that are put out there, whatever the sport, they're always a hundred percent accurate, right? Always. Well, anything on Twitter is always hundred <laughs> percent. That, that's what always, even though it all conflicts with the, each other somehow. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, him coming back is what everybody's been looking forward to for the last month plus, and knowing, hey, just got to tread water, and for a while they weren't tread water, it looked like for a while they were drowning, uh, but with the return of Cam Johnson, it's gotten better, the return of Chris Paul, uh, who was there for part of it, and then out and then back, that that's, you know, made this last stretch of eight games at least win, you know, win most of them, and so now it's, now, now there's a light at the end of the tunnel, no, no question about it, and you just cross your fingers and say, just stay healthy than the rest of the season. Well, this recent stretch, you know, and it, it feels weird to include last night's game in it because last night's game was a miserable experience for anybody who watched it or probably played in it if you're the Suns. But even if you include that in there, they go 6-2 and two in their most recent eight games. That's still without Devin Booker. They, they had to have a stretch like that. Otherwise, they were legitimately going to be in some trouble. Um, not the, the sort of trouble where, oh, you're going to miss the playoffs, probably, but... You know, we were looking at the standings before, and you're 
you're yeah, you're very close to fourth, and that's partially because you just won six of your last eight. But you're also a game out of being outside the play-in tournament right mm-hmm. now. It, it's but the Western Conference has not been as dominant as I think a lot of people expected it would be this year. But it is completely just knotted up behind those top two teams, and so this this last little run where you went six and two may prove to be very important because it at least has kept you in a play. And if you went two and six in that stretch. You'd be 13th in the conference looking up at quite a few teams. And so it's like, yeah, well, Booker will come back and and you'll go on a winning streak. Yeah, okay. But that might only move you up to ninth at that point or eighth. You got to get in the top six. We were talking about this earlier. If the season just ended today, okay, even if you get Devin Booker back, if the season ended today, the way it's set up, you would play Golden State in the play-in round. And that's a tough team to play in a one one and done scenario. Now if you lost, you'd still be in it. You'd have to play one other team, and that team would probably be New Orleans and that would be for your season. So that's just to kind of give you perspective on where you are in the standings if you're in the play-in tournament right now, you'd be going up against Golden State in a one and done and then probably New Orleans and if you lost those two games, your season would just be over. Whereas if you were the 6th seed, if you just move up a couple spots, you're playing a best of seven mm-hmm. against Sacramento in yeah. the first round. And, and and speaking of Sacramento, they're in third right now, and the Suns are three and a half games from from third. Yeah. But they're also, let me figure this out right, three, two and a half games from 13th. Yeah. <laughs> Where <laughs> that, the Lakers are apparently taking this seriously, yeah. at least LeBron is. Yeah, they're 13th, and there are nine teams that are three games apart from 13th to 4th. I mean, that's that's kind of crazy. That's so, why... That's why that stretch was so important. Yeah, because, exactly. Because you're not three and a half games behind Sacramento for third if you go two and six instead of six and two. And before that, they went five and seventeen. So this this um, this part where of the schedule where you're treading water right now is pivotal, and that's why it's like I want to wait as long as possible to bring Booker back. Like like I said earlier, if he's if he's good to go tomorrow, let's bring him back next Thursday or something. But at the same time. There's only so many games left, and you are that bunched up. Like I don't, I'd like, I'm fine bringing Devin Booker back. Hey, we're right in the thick of the play-in round. Okay, that's not where we want to be, but we'll bring Booker back. We'll move back up the standings. I don't want to bring Booker back when you're in 13th place. That's right. completely different. No, it definitely is. And of course, the longer you're out, then the longer it takes perhaps to really get back into that playing shape and get back into a rhythm. And so, yeah, I think that what wasn't there some discussion or chatter that perhaps he would have been able to, I think I remember hearing this over the weekend maybe, that perhaps he might be able to play last night, and perhaps he would, you know, he probably he probably would have been. He probably would have been okay to play, but they just want to be super, super conservative with this, just to, like I said, I, I know I've heard it a lot of times with NFL coaches. They'll say, okay, the hamstring looks great on this guy, and now we're going to give it another week, yeah. just to be sure. And that certainly has a feel of what's going on well, here. And they were able to do that because they, at that point, had won six of seven. Good point. It makes it a little bit yep. easier. Um, this is going to be a big week for the Suns coming up. Now, obviously, you got the Super Bowl coming here. We've got, assuming the Cardinals are going to hire a coach in the next week, maybe I shouldn't assume that, but either way, like there's a lot of football. But the upcoming week, you figure there's going to be at least one Suns trade, which is weird to go into the trade deadline knowing at least one guy and, and who it is is getting traded, but Jay Crowder's getting traded. There's a... Pretty good chance there's a second trade, or that trade is bigger than just Jay Crowder. And you got Matt Ishbia being introduced as the owner on Wednesday. And is that official? Devin Booker coming is that back. Official well, now? He's at least getting introduced. Oh. This is supposed to be a press conference on Wednesday. Okay. So I mean, how official is anything? Until well, but no, but I happened. mean, does that mean he's approved? Because that was the big question: Would he be approved in time 
for the pra- for the trade deadline. It's supposed to be introduced about 24 hours before the okay. trade deadline. <laughs> so it's going to be it's going to be a big week coming up for the uh, for the Suns for sure. Starting next Monday, listen for your name every day to qualify for your chance to win tickets to Super Bowl 57. Just text Super to 620-620 to register. And once you hear your name, call in within the time frame. You could be heading to the Super Bowl. Plus, you're going to win tickets to the following events: the FanDuel Party, Bud Light Music Fest, Super Bowl Experience. So text Super to 620-620. It's Arizona Sports All Access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. All right, when we come back, how much is Kyler Murray potentially holding up this coaching search? And is it even Kyler Murray's fault if he is? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balls are in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Cardinals head coaching search. Update. 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 All right, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. Howard Balzer in for Wolf this afternoon. You know, little bits of updates, I guess, on, on coaching. It sounds like um, there's a story out there before that said the Cardinals might not even really be looking at second interviews with their candidates. They may just interview everybody and then, and then just hire somebody, right? <laughs> then there was talk earlier today that they may have a second uh, meeting lined up with Aaron Glenn. Um you can get lost in those rumors, but I, I think this one, this is at least worth diving into, Howard, because we were, we were talking before, talking about the Suns and this, and the, the line of this flashed up on the TV, and, and it's kind of been all over Twitter earlier today. Doff Kleiman retweeted it. It's from the uh, Pro Football Network. I'm not saying this is true, okay? So, like, if, if this is not Kyler Murray hate, I'm just saying this is, this is out there. Um, and there's been a lot of whispers about Kyler in the past, and then maybe they weren't all true either. But uh, the, the money line from this story on Pro Football Network, uh, according to a source, is, quote, money, many of the desired candidates don't want to take that job knowing they'll be tied to the hip of Murray for the next four seasons, unquote. There's a lot of different ways you can go with that. You can go with, oh, they don't like Kyler Murray. You can go with, okay, they don't, they don't like the fact that if they struggle, he's locked in for four years, so any coach is going to get tossed unless they're Sean Payton. Uh, you can go with they don't like the fact that he's hurt and probably going to miss the start of next season. In fact, here's uh, here's Ian Rappaport from earlier this week. Let's focus on some of these coaching searches, specifically the Arizona Cardinals. Really, one of the biggest questions for the Cardinals, besides who actually is going to be their coach, is when is Kyler Murray going to be ready? And this topic, for sure, has come up during these interviews as Murray recovers from an ACL injury and a torn meniscus. My understanding is he is going to take his time and make sure this thing is 100% right. He is young. He's got a long career. He's not going to rush so do not be surprised if we don't see him to start the season or maybe even by the midway point, this injury has to heal perfectly. So I don't think there was anything new in there. Not in that, that quote. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, but because I think we've pretty much known that yeah. this was the case with his injury and I've been, been reported. I reported it a month ago that it would probably be until at least the midway point of the season where, quote, Kyler is Kyler in terms of... Now, you know, a lot of people have compared it. You mentioned Joe Burrow earlier. A lot of people have well, Joe Burrow came back in this amount of thing. Yeah, but he does. while he has mobility and he can run if he has to, that's not, that's not a big part of his game. With Kyler Murray, we know it is, running the football. And so... A coach is going to, uh, any coach is going to look at that. And I, I believe Sean Payton did. I mean, essentially to me, he picked the Cardinals. I mean, he picked the Broncos and Russell Wilson over the Cardinals 
and Kyler Murray. And it's all the different parts of it that, and the contract is a part of it, but the reality is the guy's got hurt a lot. He's a small guy. And Sean Payton would love to be able to say, well, yeah, I, I can mold, can I, can I mold him into a pocket quarterback that doesn't have to run? And he he was quoted as saying that, I think, on the Colin Cowherd show some time ago, is that, well, you just want to get away from doing it that much. Well, if you if you do that, is he going to be as good? And I think that's that's the big question, because that's a big part of his game is his life. That is the million. Well, the two hundred thirty million dollar question, I guess, because even if you can get him to be a really good pocket passer, there's no way he would have been taken number one overall if he couldn't run the way right. that he does. Bingo. Now, you know, at a certain point, I guess that doesn't matter when you're trying to build your team going forward. You can't be you can't be living in the past being like, well, we have to do it this way because we took a number one overall. But <laughs> let's also be real here. He would not have gone number one overall if he wasn't as fast and quick and as elusive as he is. And yeah, I wonder about that. You know, when he comes back from this injury, he he already seemed hesitant to run sometimes before the injury, and it's not like I think he's going to come back and never run again the way he. But he, you know, there's a fine line, right? You don't want you don't want to you don't want to run your offense through. We have to run the ball with Kyler Murray, but is he going to be the same guy that is not really anything downfield? I'm going to take off and just get his 14 yards and get out of bounds, or is he going to be hesitant to do that? And, and I think a, a big. A big part of what Ian Rappaport said in terms of he wants to be, get it right. I believe that what two years, well, no, last season when he suffered the high, not this past season, but in 2021, when he suffered the high ankle sprain, he probably came back too soon from that. And he wasn't the same guy when he was playing that year. The year before, he injured his shoulder and then. It wasn't his throwing shoulder, so he was able to play, but he was protecting himself because he didn't want to get hit on that shoulder. So that affected his game, and he wasn't the same guy in the second half of that season. Last year, I think he came back probably too soon from the hamstring and then tore his ACL. So now he has to have in his mind, man, I'm not coming back into this one until I'm really right. But the reality is, can you con- are you going to continue to get injured? I mean, at what point do you say, hey, this guy, I mean, like I said, I pointed out this number many times, Luke. Four seasons, six injuries, five of them to his legs. Mm -hmm. And anyone can see that and look at it and say, if you're coming into a job where it's either your first time as a head coach or a guy like a Dan Quinn or a Brian Flores, whoever, who's has coached before, you still you still have to you want you want to go to the right place that gives you the best chance of winning. And does do these do these coaches think that Kyler Murray gives them the best chance of winning for all of these reasons together. And I can under, and Hey, I, you know, it's funny. I asked Michael Bidwell about that two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? Is that all it's been already? The end of the season, or has it been three? I, I lost track. Oh, uh, it's been longer. It's been four. The, the now. Monday, yeah. has it, well, the Monday after the season was the 9th of January. Okay. So 16th, 23rd, yeah. 30th. So yeah, it was three weeks ago on Monday. So three and a half weeks. And so I asked him about, do you think there'll be any issue with coaching candidates because of the question about sustainability of that style of quarterback? And he danced around the question and said, well, we were pretty good when, and last year, when we, <laughs> remember when he, when he said we were 12 and two, of course they were really 10 and two. Oh, it was your question. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was my, and, and then as he was talking, I said, well, but he was healthy then. Yeah. When you were 10 and two. Well, actually, 
some of those games were won by when when he went out because when he went out with his injury last they still year, won a couple. Colt McCoy went. Yeah, they were one. seven and one. Yeah, because he got hurt in the Green Bay game, and so he was healthy then. He says, "Well, we're confident that he'll come back from this and be healthy." Well, how can you be confident? How can you be confident that he's going to remain healthy? With the style, not only the style of the play, but being a small guy. Well, and also that's just reality. If you're the Cardinals, you have to be confident. You don't have a choice because you just paid him all this money. True, and committed to him. But, I mean, he had to give that answer, but but I think it's a, a big a question. prospective head coach doesn't have no, to be a prospective exactly. head coach can be like, you know what? I'll just go somewhere else. Now there's a cutoff again if you are. Mike Kafka or your Ajiro Evero or somebody that's like, wait, I, I'm going to be an NFL head coach. This is my, I'm probably going to take it, right? I mean, because otherwise there's no guarantee you'll never get, you'll ever get another option. But if you are Sean Payton, you don't have to. If you're Dan Quinn, you don't have to. If you're Brian Flores, you probably don't have to. Because if you're Brian Flores, you're in that spot where it's like, okay, I've had my, my first shot as a head coach in Miami and there was a lot of good and there was bad and it was a weird ending. He's going to get a second chance as an NFL head coach, but he's probably not going to get a third. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. If, if you bow out quickly. And that's the same thing with Quinn. Yeah. And, and, so, and, his, and he had Matt Ryan there as a quarterback, but even Matt Ryan wasn't as good after Kyle Shanahan left Mm-mm. after that Super Bowl uh, loss, loss to the Falcons. So, yeah, those things have to be in guys' minds. And the other thing I think about Flores is a separate conversation, but... How, and he's being, he's been interviewed as defensive coordinator in some other spots. But I mean, this is a guy that sued the league, right? And the Cardinals are a party to that lawsuit. And so how much is this? You wonder, is it a, fa- now no one can admit that it's the, that it's a reason, but how much is that a part of the way people view Brian Flores? And he, you know, he stepped out there on a limb and became part of that, that lawsuit, but. That that could be affected. I mean, last year he wasn't he didn't have a job until the Steelers just uh, decided to add him because the Steelers they don't care what anybody thinks. Yeah, <laughs> well, you got Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's like, hey, whatever. Yeah. I'll just let's just do it my way, and we'll have a winning record every year that I'm here. Um, I don't know. This this quote is it's concerning because if it's if it's if it's coaches looking and saying, man, he's not healthy, and next year's a throwaway year. Okay. That sucks, but that's also kind of the reality. Unless, I mean, we can have this conversation of what are you going to do at quarterback next year if he's really going to miss the first eight games? Are you just treating this like a throwaway year as an organization, but you're not going to say that? Um, as again, as a prospective coach, you, you can look at that and say, this was Sean Payton. Sean Payton's probably like, I'm going to the Cardinals. Why not just go back to Fox? I can go to Cardinals next year, maybe, or something, or I can go somewhere else next year. If it's that, okay, that's brutal, but that's, that's the bad luck of the injury. If it's coaches saying, that guy's not coachable. If it's coaches saying that guy, if he's an unknown, but if he proves to not be coachable, I'll get fired because they can't move on from him. That's where this starts to get concerning because then it's like, then everything in your organization is running through one guy and that one guy's not healthy. That's a great point. He was it's supposed great. to be a selling point. A year yes. ago at this time, he was a selling point. And, and I think I think most coaches who are confident themselves have a certain amount of coaching arrogance yeah. and they feel that, well, I can get him to, to do it the way I want and all those things. So I think that that is maybe a little bit lesser. It is a consideration, but it might be a little lesser. Um, but I, I just think the whole injury factor, you just can't avoid. And then when you get these successful, like look at a Brian Callahan, he's saying, well, okay, I could go there and all this stuff that's going on and they have to fix the offensive line. They have to fix this and they have to fix that. And here I am with a team that has Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase when the and T. Higgins every year. and yeah. Tyler Boyd. And Joe Mixon and 
a, a pretty good offensive line that wasn't healthy at the end, but was playing pretty well before the injuries hit. That that's a pretty good situation that you say, yeah, I'll, I'll just stay there, and continue to be successful, and I'll get another chance. It's hard to do that. I I grant you that, but you also have in your back of your mind, I got it. This might be your only chance to be a head coach, and you want it. It, it, it wanted to be the right fit, the he, right place. He though that that specific example with with Callahan is in a pretty nothing's foolproof, but he's in a pretty close to foolproof spot of Cincinnati and Joe Burrow are going to be good again next year. Right. So it's not like his stock's just going to drop right off a, a cliff next year. Whereas like like a guy like Giro Evero, I just I wonder what he had that defense playing so good and that team was so dysfunctional and it wasn't his fault. And now like I don't even know if he has a job because Sean Payton's taken over there, right? So like if he gets if they offered it to Evero he'd be like yeah no matter what probably because, if he doesn't get one of the head coaching jobs yeah, he has to but the big question is if you if you hire him if you hire uh, Aaron Glenn the first question you ask is okay who's your cor- who's your offensive coordinator yeah. who's the quarterbacks coach who's the offensive line coach those, those are huge hires uh, and even more, anyway but even more so for a guy with a defensive background which is why it's scary that they still haven't done this and other guys are getting scooped up to be coordinators elsewhere. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, what can we expect from the Suns at the trade deadline? Suns GM James Jones spoke about it yesterday. It's some interesting thoughts uh, on it's James Jones. He's not going to give up too much, but if you kind of read between the lines, uh, you'll hear what he said next. It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balls are in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show. Howard Balzer's in for Wolf today. It is Wolf and Luke on a Thursday afternoon, basically exactly a week from now, Howard, we're going to be at the NBA trade deadline. And James Jones was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday. Now, as you might expect, if you've ever heard James Jones speak before or if you've ever spoken to uh, to, to James Jones, didn't give up a, a ton. But, you know... Um, you got to read between the lines a little bit. Now, some of this, James Jones also doesn't know. It's not like he's like holding back, like, oh, we're going to make this trade for this guy. Like, he doesn't know. <laughs> it's kind of, you got to see how things play out. But they did ask him the one thing that we all just assume. Okay, you're going to trade Jay Crowder before the deadline, right? Let's start there. That's the goal. Um, and, you know, I, I know that question will be asked, and I answer at the same time every time. That's the goal. He must want <laughs> Jay Crowder traded more than any of us at this point. Just not to be asked anymore about yeah. I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, did anyone ever, ever suspect that we would still be here a week from the trading deadline and he would still be, I guess you can say, with technically with the Suns and being paid by the Suns? Think about the end of last season or maybe even just going into the playoffs last season. Would you have ever thought that Jay Crowder would be traded Probably in the not. middle of this season? Unless, I mean, with his contract the way it is, unless the Suns had just fallen apart this year. But teams don't really fall apart. <laughs> if if you think you're a contender, you really can't fall apart because 10 teams make the the play-in round, at least, or beyond every year now. So the only teams that are really like out of it, the trade deadline, are teams maybe like Toronto that are like, okay, we're paying a lot to just be a fringe play-in team, or teams like Houston and San Antonio that don't care about what's going on. All they care about is Victor Wembanyama at this point anyway, and they're going to start to really care about him now for these final 30 games. Um Here's more from James Jones talking about Mikael Bridges. I do. I mean, he has to be. Um, but that still doesn't preclude you from getting other scores. And 
and make no mistake about it, like Mikel is is still his his trajectory is still upward. Uh, he still has a lot of room for growth. Um, he still will will have a lot of reps. Um, but I do believe he is that guy. I think he's proven over the last month that he is that guy, and um, he can continue to get better. And it only makes us better um, when you start to layer him and Da and, and Cam Johnson on top of what Devin and Chris can do. Interesting line in there right at the beginning. And the way the question was essentially framed is, you know, talking about Mikel Bridges, what he's evolving into. Can he be this sort of scorer for your team on top of everything else? But the the line in there that that caught my interest was where James Jones said it doesn't preclude you from going out and adding another score. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's a thought you have watching Mikel. It's like, okay, well, this is... This is improvement from within, which ideally that's the best way to get your talent, right, as an NBA franchise or really any sport. So because it's happening right now, is James Jones looking and saying, okay, well, we can we can scratch scorer off the list, and we're probably going to push point guard back to the offseason, so maybe we don't have to make a bigger move. But it's also happening right now, like right before the deadline, where maybe you can't count on it yet either. I just thought his answer, answer was interesting because it, it seems to indicate he's still thinking that way, whether a deal can happen or not. Definitely feels that way. And one thing that I don't know if who this guy would be, but when I look at the Suns, I, I say that, man, it would be great if they could get more physical. And Jake Crowder. You know, That's the one. Well, yeah. A, a physical defender, a physical, even offensive player that can, when, when you spell Chris Paul or whatever, because it seems a lot of times, especially at ends of games, man, it just seems sometimes certain teams with defenders wear those guys down yeah at times and so have you know a guard a forward whoever it is that just brings a more physical presence to your team offensively and defensively and that doesn't necessarily have to be some great hugely high paid player i think so i don't know who's out there what, what that could be but i think that would be it might not excite the fan base that much if that that's what happened but i think that might be a real key to this team being a championship-type ball club. That's what's so complicated about the the Crowder trade because you, I was only half-joking. You're kind of looking for Jay Crowder right there, right? So you're going to trade Jay Crowder to a team hoping they trade you a version of Jay Crowder back. <laughs> like, that's that's right. probably why that trade has taken so long. Uh, they asked James Jones, what are you looking for in a trade package? You know, so we can use Ford help. Uh, we can use scoring. Um, we can always use more, you know, interior defense. So, but we'll we'll see what shakes out over the next week. I expect I expect some interesting names to be flung around. I expect a lot of uh, players to come into to focus, and we'll just see what we can get done. Just hearing James Jones talk all season on that show, and having talked to him in the past, it, again, it's not like he gave away a bunch yesterday, but he, and maybe I'm misinterpreting this, but I don't think I am. He sounds like. Okay, it's ready. Like mm-hmm. we got an owner now coming in here shortly, and the deadline's coming up, and it's time to start making some moves. And do I think the Suns are going to make four moves next week? No, I think they're going to make the Jay Crowder move, and then they're either going to make one additional move or that Crowder move is going to be bigger. But I, but I do think that they, I think it's going to be more than just hey, we traded Jay Crowder. Now let's make a playoff run. I think it's going to be seriously next week could absolutely be we got Devin Booker back, we have Matt Ishbia introduced. And we traded for 
I'm just using OG Ananobi's name because that's the name that they're most consistently linked to. But Ananobi or somebody on that level that is, I mean, he's a nasty defender and he's not, he's not a big guy, but he's, he's not small either. I mean, he's a wing that he checks a lot of, and he can score. He checks a lot of the boxes of, uh, of what James Jones just said they're looking for. But obviously, Toronto knows that too. Well, sure. And, and the thing is, with Toronto's in this mode of, well, we're on the fringe, we're this. You you think they'd want now if it's draft choices and that's all they really feel because they feel they need because they're talking about building. It's not as if Jay Crowder is going to go in there and all of a sudden make a big difference on that team. No, I, I, Crowder to Toronto makes no sense at all to me. It really doesn't. I mean, and I know I know that that's been linked to them, but it, it feels like there almost has to be a third team involved unless they just want the expiring contract. You know what I mean? We're going to have Jay Crowder. We're going to have the expiring contract, but you're giving us two first round picks, or you're giving us. Two firsts and a second, or that that proposed trade on the ringer was it was three firsts, Sharich and Crowder, for OG Ananobi, which undoubtedly makes you like a legitimate NBA title contender this year if you're healthy. Yeah, it definitely makes you. Oh yeah, because you're you're trading someone who's not even playing. Yeah, <laughs> for someone that who helps. can come in and actually contribute, and then the draft picks. Okay, whatever it might be down the road, we know that those are sometimes a crapshoot anyway, and especially where the Suns most likely are going to be picking in the round. That that trade itself, if it actually happened, it never happens. Like it's just brought up randomly in a story. But the Ringers trade of of three first round picks, it was twenty four, twenty six, and twenty eight. And Sharich and Crowder for, for OG Ananobi is, yes, that's a lot of first round picks. Now, again, to your point, 24 and 26 probably shouldn't be very good first round picks, uh, at least not 24. But if you just look at what you would have, where you could run a rotation of Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson and DeAndre Ayton and OG Ananobi out there with, you know, I, I know it's six guys, but then with bench players like Damian Lee and a few, like that, that is a, all right, get ready. This is going to be a real fun couple months coming up sort of lineup. Right. No, it is. But you just wonder, again, in terms of what what's Toronto's thinking on that, that they would get a player, okay, you can help us a bit this year, and that's that's about it. And then you're getting a first-round pick, but not until next year's draft? Yeah, if I'm the Suns, I'd and then, and then, and then And then two years after that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you would think you'd throw you. You think they'd want at least twenty three draft because what? How are they really gaining anything in the short term? And even the short, should we term it the short long term? The short long term. <laughs> yes. Well, and I've been on Sportsnet way too much the last couple of days reading from the Toronto perspective. It really just sounds like they want to get rid of one of these guys because they don't want to be paying all four of them if they're going to be a play-in team, which, you know, I guess makes sense to a certain extent. Uh, all right, we come back. We'll get back into football, and we'll take a look at this Cardinals roster. We talked about it with uh, with Zoe earlier, some of the, the biggest names, right? The Kelvin Beachums, the Byron Murphys, Zach Allens in terms of free agents. They've got a lot of free agents on this team, though. We'll go through some of the other names next. It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balls are in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Final segment of the show, Howard Balzer in for Wolf today. It is Wolf and Luke, and um, looking at this pro football focus rankings of the free agents that are going to be available here in not that long, really. <laughs> free agency is not that far away. The draft isn't that far away. You pointed out earlier, Howard, combine's not that far yeah. away either. Um, February 28th. Yeah, so we're already in the same month as the, uh, as and, the combine. And for those who circle this stuff on their calendars, March 15th is the start of the new league year. 
March 15th. And I guess it's three or four days before that you're <laughs> allegedly allowed to start negotiating contracts. Oh, yeah. As if agents aren't talking to teams before that date. L- legal tampering. Yeah, legal tampering. Well, of, course, uh, of course, you can't have legal tampering because tampering in itself yeah. is legal. Just legal, legal but every, someone named it that and everyone calls it. It's legal negotiating oh, yeah. is what it oh, is. We're going with legal tampering. <laughs> uh, so that's like, what, seven-ish weeks, six-ish weeks away. Um this list on, on Pro Football Focus, I just, we're going to get into the Cardinals, but I want to, the guys that they have on here, okay, they have Zach Allen, 23rd overall, and that's across the league. Um, they have Kelvin Beecham on the list as well, but the, the thing that's interesting to me, they have Byron Murphy, 7th among corners on this list, okay? They have him behind Patrick Peterson. No. How, how is Patrick Peterson a more coveted no. corner in 2023 free agency? Uh, especially a guy who for two years in a row has signed one-year contracts. Yeah. I, you know, he was, you know, he was obviously squawking, you know, when the Vikings won the game and, you know, and all that about the Cardinals and Kyler and all this stuff. But this is a guy that when the, and oh, and Steve Kime never talked to me. Okay. So be it. You know, grow up, man. Be a man. I mean, the bottom line is he became a free agent. And he didn't have teams lining up at his door. Two years in a row, he signed one-year contracts, and this year's contract was actually less money yeah. than the year before. That that was the, the everybody had the same reaction. I think when when the Vikings got eliminated from the playoffs by the Giants, everybody was like, "Man, Patrick Peterson is going to be really mad at the Cardinals now for some reason." <laughs> uh, but no, I'm looking through the just Who the are some corners. of the other corners so ahead of them. They have uh, Jamel Dean of Tampa at number five overall, good player. Yep, uh, James Bradbury of the Eagles at 14 overall. Cameron Sutton of the Steelers at 22. Jonathan Jones of the Patriots, 31. Patrick Peterson, number 33. Rocky Sin from the uh, Raiders at 40. And then Byron Murphy at 42. Not, not an overly strong group in terms of someone that you would say. And what happens in free agency, as we know, Luke, is you can only sign the guys that are available. Yeah. And so the ones that are perceived at the top end up getting contracts a lot of times. It's way more than what they should be being paid. But it's supply and demand. And I, I think out of that group, a healthy Byron Murphy Jr. probably is in the top three. I would and think I think so. that's the question about him is, is, is the whole health. No, no one really knows where, where, he, where, where he stands on this back injury. And I know Lorenzo Alexander said earlier in the show, well, it might be. But we don't know. We don't know. We hope it's nothing structural that would need surgery or maybe has had surgery because we're not told anything about these injuries. Same thing with DJ Humphreys. I mean, he's not a free agent, but he had a back injury that cost him eight games. Yeah. So those those things can be can be problematical. So let's um, let's pick a position here on the Cardinals. Where do you want to start in terms of of guys that are going to be free agents this upcoming season? Because we talked about the big three right there with Kelvin Beach and Byron Murphy and Zach Allen, and I am fascinated by the fact that Byron Murphy, if he is viewed that low nationally, maybe you don't have to dramatically overpay for him, but at the same time. He's better than some of those guys. Yeah, and it's he a pretty is. light he totally class. Is. But, so he ha- we'll but he has, you have to be healthy. Yeah. The other, in, and we talked about Zach Allen earlier. I, I think after those three guys, there, there isn't a lot, there isn't many gotta haves on there. I mean, Antonio Hamilton is a free agent, so that's another, another corner. Um, I think Marco, Marco Wilson might be one of the only corners under contract. You have all three of your kicking specialists. Free agents, yeah, with Matt Prater, Andy Lee, and the long snapper Aaron Brewer. What what do they decide to do there? I mean, look, look at offensive linemen. So um, offensive line, there is there's a there's basically nobody that's signed. You've got DJ Humphreys who signed through 2025. Uh, other than that, Josh Jones is going into the last year of his contract. Yeah, so Josh Jones has this year. I'm kind of got a couple assuming, of the rookies from last year, and I'm assuming Rodney Hudson's not coming. No, back. I don't I think just he I'm is. writing that off. So yeah, then you're looking at like Lasita Smith. Um, 
Marquise Hayes. Like you don't you don't have an offensive line no, right now. No, and I hesitate to say that. Well, the coaching staff likes Smith and Hayes, and Hayes spent the whole year on injury reserve. But what does it matter if this past coaching staff liked them? Yeah, we don't know what going forward. It's going to be. Not only so, do we not know if the if the new coaching staff likes them, we don't even know who the new coaching staff is. Exactly. Exactly. So look at the list of, uh, did they break it down by offensive line or just by the positions? No, Tackle, I mean, guard, center. I'm just curious who else is available because that, that's somewhere that we... Oh, you mean on this list? Yeah. On the pro football focus list? I, I know that except for Beecham, no one would be rated very high, although I'd be curious where Will Hernandez might be might be considered. And well, a lot of that depends on who's available. The only Cardinals on this list... Uh, I know they have Will Hernandez at 79. Okay, so they have Hernandez. Overall. Yeah, okay. not that far behind uh, Beach, but that's um, that's it. Those are the – because Pro Football Focus did 100. So when you when you go all the way out to their full 100, they have Hernandez uh, at 79. I mean, I liked Will Hernandez this year, but it, it goes back to what you just said. We – any sort of progress that was made with the coaching staff or sort of cementing your role on this team – that's all kind of out the window now unless you're signed. You know, Will Hernandez came here partially because Sean Coogler was his college coach, you know, and obviously he's not here. And, and now, you know, Will Hernandez, I mean, is he going to come back? Or are you just going to completely rebuild your offensive line, just have DJ Humphreys and Lasita Smith and then bring in a bunch of new guys? That's not the easiest position in the world no, to do that. No, it isn't. It's very tough. And that's why I was curious. I haven't looked at it yet in terms of other free agents that are out there that you could pursue, but you, you, no matter how many draft picks you have, you can't solve it all in a draft. And so if you have all these unsigned guys, then you have to go into the market and see what's available. But it's not like a, you know, a lot of guys are normal, normally out there uh, at the position. So Monty Austin Fort has got his work cut out for he him. He does. I mean, when, when you start to look at this whole picture and you take a step away from the emotion and the frustration of last season and you're just like, okay, what's Monty got to do? He doesn't know his quarterback is to start the year. He doesn't know if that's three weeks or eight weeks or you know how long. He doesn't have an offensive line in front of this quarterback. I mean, are you going to go out and add a significant quarterback? And what significant quarterback is going to come when they know that Kyle Murray is there? Yeah. And yeah, the, 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 it's, it's unbelievable when you start looking at each position. Hey, look look at the wide receiver spot, right? There was a report that they were meeting with DeAndre Hopkins last week. Has he asked to be traded? Is he waiting to see who the coaching staff is? What happens with him? Marquise Brown is entering his fifth year option year at about thirteen million. I I haven't seen anything that says that he would be worth signing to a four or five year deal worth. 18, 20 million a year. They could have spent that money on Christian Kirk and they would have been better off last season. So the wide receiver position is, is wide open. What about, you know, running back behind James Conner? Well, here, there's one thing I can say definitively at the wide receiver position. Okay. I feel like in a, in an era of complete instability and uncertainty around the Cardinals. I'm thinking they're probably not going to pay Robbie Anderson the $12 million he's owned next year. <laughs> you don't think? No. That's, that's the one thing I look at this roster. I'm like, probably not giving Robbie Anderson no, $12 million. That's an immediate salary cap savings. Yeah. So, But as, as you look at this and you go in depth in it, you, you realize how much work there is to be done on this roster, especially especially on offense. Yeah, you mentioned running back. Right now, you have James Conner signed through 24. You have Keontae Ingram, who we don't know a whole lot about no. yet. I mean, I, I I like Keontae Ingram. He looked really good in camp. We don't know <laughs> what he is as an NFL running back yet. Uh, then you have Tyson Williams is technically signed for 
less than a million, and Daryl Williams is a free agent. So they saw, I didn't even realize Williams was signed. I, I mean, he's on this list. Who knows? Hmm. Maybe he's not. But but either way, Daryl Williams, Daryl Williams is a guy that like came in, looked decent, and it feels like he wasn't even on the Cardinals. No, and then he got hurt. Yeah, and he kept saying, "Well, yeah, he's working through the knee injury," and then he never came back, <laughs> and and that hurt down the stretch when you know, with, with depth. So it, it was just one of those years, Luke. Where I mean, it's like I said, everyone has said it. what could go wrong went wrong, and now it's left you with a slew of decisions that you have to make in what looks like perhaps a free agency market that doesn't include a lot of real top-line talent. Yeah, and that's this is where, if you want to bring it back to the Sean Payton thing, where you you can easily justify holding on to your picks, right? And I know Wolf has been pretty consistent of, I would have given up the picks to get Sean Payton. And I, and I would have, too. I mean, it got into this the other day. Denver's first-round pick is not the Cardinals' first-round pick. I would give up something equivalent to the 30th overall pick in the draft. I'm not giving up the third overall pick in the draft. Right. Well, then let's remember, Denver gave up the 29th pick yeah. in the first round. And the Cardinals' pick in the second round is five spots later. So you would absolutely... I shouldn't say absolutely, but I I would have done that, but the fact that they didn't, boy, they need those picks. Imani Austin Fort coming from that whole Patriots background. If he wants to go down the Bill Belichick path of I'm going to take my second rounder and, and trade it yes, for more two picks. thirds and a lower yeah. second round, they might need to do that. Honestly. I know, and and they're going to have I I think three compensatory picks, including one at the end of the third round for Chandler Jones. I believe in the the projections are they're going to get one at the 3rd round, one in the fi- after the 5th and one at the 6th. So that's some that's that's some, you know, extra players obviously that you're going to have to be able and you you've got to hit on. Them. You know, it's not just hitting on those first couple picks. You you've got you got to start coming up with guys in the 4th, 5th, 6th round that come into your team and make impacts. This is uh you see what years and the Cardinals are not the only team that has has botched the draft over the last few years. But, you know, we were talking about Zach Allen earlier. Like that's a guy that you got right. So mm-hmm. keep him because you got him right and it was a it was a steal where you got him and he's been learning from JJ Watt and it shows. You know what I mean? But you see how like the depth I don't know that anybody's depth would have held up last year with the injuries they had, but you just see now going forward, it's like, boy, they just need so many pieces and that you, you have to hit on these picks. Like you said, you, if it's me, I'm, I'm keeping the third pick and I'm taking Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, whichever one's still there. But any other pick I have, I'm open to trading it for more picks. Absolutely. And usually, usually that second round pick early can be a good one to trade because yeah. after all the teams regroup after night one right near and they're, the and they're looking the at the board day. and saying, oh, we want to get in a position to get this particular guy. And so sometimes you see trades early in that round and you pick up and you trade down, you know, get that other, get the team you're trading with a little later second round pick and maybe pick up another third. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. Get, get as many picks as you can to build this roster. That's a good point. All right, that's it for us today. Thanks to Aaron Maloney and uh, Jesse Morrison behind the glass. Thanks to Lorenzo Alexander for stopping by. For Howard Balzer, in for Wolf. I'm Luke. we got Burns and Gambo next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports league.